This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome back to another episode of the Woodsman Podcast, where we'll talk everything Pennsylvania outdoors. If you enjoy deer hunting, fishing, trapping, or just being outside, this podcast is for you. Our goal is to showcase the vast opportunity that the Pennsylvania Woodsman can experience. We hope this inspires you to get out and enjoy God's creation in the Keystone State. Hey, how we doing? Pretty good. How are you guys? Oh, we're living the dream, John. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you find yourself this time of year? In the middle, is, This is the middle of rattlesnake season, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, right now, I'm trying to make hay and try to find time to rattlesnake hunt. And had a wife had a baby, our first, on New Year's Day. So I've been doing lots of baby stuff this year. So well, first of all, I haven't had the time like I have. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that definitely uh, definitely changes things up a bit from what you're used to, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Life will never be the same, but it's a good thing. Yep, yep. Takes up a lot of time, but uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. The rattlesnake hunting and all that other stuff comes in second. <laughs> good deal. Well, I thought maybe, uh, you know, just getting into this, why don't you go ahead kind of introduce yourself <clears throat> i guess we kind of um opened up here without saying but we got you on the lawyer here on the line um kind of introduce yourself uh, where you're from and uh obviously we're kind of kind of be talking about snakes here and uh something that you guys do a lot of um yeah go ahead all right <clears throat> Well, my name's John Royer, and uh, I own uh, YouTube channels Leatherwood Outdoors and Leatherwood Outdoors 2. Um, <clears throat> we've been doing lots of videos over the years. Uh, we go from rattlesnake hunting to ice fishing to flintlock muzzleloader hunting, deer hunting, trapping. Um, pretty much, if, if you can do it in Pennsylvania, we're... we're We've made a video on it, or we plan on making a video on it. And uh, so you can find us on Facebook also, and we are also on Instagram. And so we've been doing that for uh, since 2008, 2009. And so we got uh, quite a bit of variety on the Internet to watch. And I have to say, I'm tickled pink to be talking about rattlesnake hunting with you, even though that's not my my, my thing, I'll say. But, man, I've been watching your show since I'm, you know, eight years old watching going back to the days when you guys were doing those archery drives in late season man your show was awesome. oh yeah 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 those those videos uh 
I, I tell you, we've tried to repeat those videos, and it's extremely hard uh, because you you have to have drivers and you have to have guys on post, and they got to know exactly. And then you have to have the extra guy that wants to run the video camera. So <laughs> it it all has to just come together, you know, to make those types of videos. Yeah, for sure. So. How many of you is it there with uh, Leatherwood Outdoors? You know, is it obviously you and a couple of your buddies? Yeah, that's that's basically how it started. There really isn't uh, a set number. Um, when I started, I basically figured out when we first started, we had all the VHS. That's what I originally started filming with, and then went to the high mini uh, DVs and then the high eights and then the mini DVD video. Uh, cameras. Right. It was always a pain to always, if you wanted to show somebody something, you had to take the whole camera and you got to make sure you bring your cords and then hook it up to their TV and hopefully their TV wasn't too old that it, you know, didn't have the right cords or the um, external things in the back to be able to watch it. And that's how you had to show people your videos. Then YouTube come around. So I figured out how to take some of that footage from those old cameras and digitalize it. And then you could just make a video and send it in an email and everybody could see it and it made it a lot easier. So I started doing that, created the, um, the, the name. Um, and I got the name from, there's a stream that runs through my family's property and they call it Leatherwood. And so that's how the name came about. Okay. Um, and, uh, so that's basically how it all started. Some friends of mine, um, guys that, went to high school with me. Um, they found out that I was doing that and they said, Hey, you know, we have some footage that we didn't know how to convert over into digitalized, uh, formats. Um, I said, well, you bring it to me. I'll, we'll just put it all on one channel. We're all from the same area. We're all hunting. We all know each other. We'll just put it all on the same channel. And so like Shane Reed and mm-hmm. Ryan Toth and Hunter Ruby and those guys, they were really big into recurve bow hunting. And so I was really big into flintlocks. And so you had this right off the bat, this sort of traditional style deer hunting that you just didn't see on TV. And so as we kept growing, we weren't really trying to do anything like, you know, we always saw in the back of our heads, well, that'd be kind of cool to be on TV or something. But Basically, it was just filming our own stuff for our own personal things, and then it just kind of got around by word of mouth, and we were still new. YouTube was still new, so we kind of got in early. We didn't have much competition with all the other. Everybody can make a YouTube channel right now, and plus we did diversity. We didn't just do deer hunting. We did not just bow hunting either. We did all different types of bow hunting and all different types of deer hunting. Then that led into other things of, you know, ice fishing and rattlesnake hunting. And then, you know, we've gone even into mushroom hunting and things like that. And so it just sort of grew real slow. And, and then, you know, the height of it was probably 2012, 2013, we were pumping out the videos and then, it was sooner sooner or later we all started getting married. Guys were moving, different jobs, having kids, and the videos sort of slowed down. But some of the guys don't film as much anymore as they used to. Some just said, "Hey, I'd just rather be out in the woods and just hunt, and not carry the camera." And there wasn't any thing wrong with it. It was just like, "Hey, you know, it's all a bunch of friends and family. You want to bring me your video, and I'll put it on." And that's how it was. And nobody was in or out, and nobody had to bring footage in. It was all, you know, just for fun. 
and that's what we do. So if you don't feel like filming, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And then, like the, I mean, it's you said it perfectly. You, you were doing a YouTube channel before doing a YouTube channel was cool. And so it was like neat to see that like organic growth through it. Cause I remember like the deer hunting videos and, you know, the flintlock and everything and just grow up just seeing that growth. And that kind of led into the, the rattlesnake thing, which is really cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the videos have evolved over, over the years. I mean, it, it's the viewers who, um, watch us and send us messages and comments on, on the videos and seeing the views inspires us to keep going and keep making videos and trying to make better videos. Um, but you know, all that takes time, you know, it's not like we're trying to do this for a job. It's just a hobby on the side. We're not trying to become famous. We're not trying to, you know, make money and do this for a living or anything. Um, you know, we all have full-time jobs and we just film when we can and try to, and it's just like anybody else hunting. Some years we don't get anything on video because we just didn't get anything, mm-hmm. you know, hunting. So that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I've always thought was so cool about you guys' channel is the diversity there. You know, pretty much anybody that has any outdoor interest can find something there that's, uh, that's entertaining or informational. Um, so, yeah, I always thought that was pretty cool. So, I guess, uh, you know, kind of getting back to the, the snake hunt that we want to talk about a little bit, how did you how did you get into that or who got you started with that? Or, uh, yeah, kind of talk to us about that. Well, I got started in a friend of mine. His uncle uh, had a camp up there, and he would take us up during – the opening day of trout fishing and stuff like that. And we were just riding around the mountains up there in north central PA. And coming down off the mountain, my buddy looked over in a ditch, in a culvert ditch, and there was a two rattlesnakes, a yellow face and a black face in the ditch. And I used to be up in that area all the time, but never really got too much into the snake territory. So I just thought it was the coolest thing. And I've been up there years and years. My dad would always take me up when I was younger. And so he just happened to say, as we were looking out the window at these rattlesnakes, he goes, you know, you know, there's, there's been words that, uh, you know, rattlesnakes are close to camp. And he says, if you get a license, you can, you can keep one a year. And I'm like, I did not know that because I thought at, at the time they were on the candidate list for the endangered species list. And this was, this probably would have been before the Pennsylvania, um, uh, the state was doing a rattlesnake survey in the state. So really nobody knew exactly how many rattlesnakes were in the state, but you could still do that. You could still get one. And this was actually before you had to measure and sex the snake. So this was really, I'm, th- I'm thinking maybe 2005 is when we started. So he says, well, you guys get your license, uh, get your boots, and we'll just go around and see if we can find some rattlesnakes. And so that's what we did. Uh, there was only four of us. And so we went up on the hill above camp, and we're like, I don't know, there's some sun and some rocks near the woods. I don't know. Let's get out of the truck. So we jumped out of the truck, and on the second rock I jumped on, I looked over. On the third rock was a big black-faced rattlesnake, and I'm like, surely it can't be that easy. <laughs> and I think in that one little one-acre spot that year, we found seven. Um and uh so that that was just kind of how it started it just started a a firestorm with us and then as we got into it friends of us were like hey you know let 
you know, you want to go up there and look at rattlesnakes? I never really thought about it. And I'm like, well, I'll go, you know, and so that's how we started getting more more friends and family into snake hunting and stuff, so. So they ne- you never had the heebie-jeebies over snakes like some people? No, no. When I was a, when I was a kid, um, I used to catch all the the salamanders and the garter snakes and milk snakes and black snakes and as many snakes and put them all in a bucket. You know, I, I was never afraid of stuff like that. Me and my brother, we'd always catch snakes all the time. So it was just a natural transition um, into stuff like that. So was there any, like, so obviously, you know, catching garter snakes and catching rattlesnakes are a little different. Is there any... Uh, <laughs> Uh, is there anything you were kind of a little concerned about right off the bat, or this kind of just you knew enough that uh, you kind of figured it out? I mean, that's something you don't just figure out by mistake, really, how to handle something like that. Well, no, no. The The first year, um, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, and because there was very, very, very few rattlesnake hunters in the state when I started compared to what there is now, and you you didn't, we didn't know anybody to talk to. And we didn't, we just knew that when you, uh, got your license, because before you had to send in your license, now you can just buy your license over the counter. They sent you a pamphlet with all the rules and regulations and the ethics of where you can and can't hunt and what you're allowed to use and not use. So we had a general idea of what to wear. We knew at least snake boots and we, a lot of us bought chaps. Um, and, you know, just some tongs. And so, you know, at the time, a rattlesnake was a rattlesnake. You didn't have measures. So it was kind of easy to just reach down. If you thought you wanted to keep that one, then that was your tag. You tagged out real quick. You didn't have to mess around with a tube or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it that time when we first started, um, and some of the guys, plus with me, we all, we, all wanted to try to pick one up with our bare hands. And that was the dumbest thing any of us could ever do. We all look back and being like, that was so dumb because that is the worst thing you could ever do. So I highly recommend not doing it because not only is it, you know, dangerous for you, you're probably going to hurt the snake to the point where it's, you know, when you hold it tight enough behind the head like that, you're probably going to be breaking bones and hurting the snake enough where it probably isn't going to survive and be able to eat after that anyway. So... So, random question. You you know anybody that's ever been bit by a rattlesnake? Uh... I I've I know of some guys that have gotten bit. Um, when I was a young kid, I was probably huh, I want to say maybe between eight and ten years old. I believe we were at the Cross Fork Roundup, um, and I watched a guy get bit right in front of us in the snake pen. That was back when they did the rattlesnake roundups where they were in the pen trying to pick them up by their bare hands and sacking in the sacking contest. I remember watching one or two guys get bit there. Um, I do remember the last time that I believe it was Bill Wheeler, the guy that does the rattlesnake, uh, you know, for the Keystone Reptile Club when he was in Cinema Honing. He, Literally got bit ten feet in front of me. 
Um, except I wasn't looking at him. I, I just happened to turn around and he just literally dropped the, he was showing two snakes off, um, and with his, with a snake hook. And then instantly, um, he just said, I got bit. Nobody really knew cause he was just real calm about it and just walked away. And, um, yeah, so that, that was the closest I've seen to anybody. None, none of the guys that we've hunted, uh, with have ever gotten bit. Um, so there was yeah. a guy out of our camp that we bear hunt out of, you know, years ago, he used to always go rattlesnake hunting and or ca- the cabin we bear hunt, that's Clinton County. And there's a bench that goes out to a point about three quarters of a mile from the backside of camp. And he used to always go on the rocks and go rattlesnake hunting. And there's a picture every year where you can look at it at the picture board at camp when we go up is of, of him holding this snake. And they always say, that's the one that got him. They're like, what do you mean? And they tell the story like he actually, like they were doing their thing with rattlesnakes and had this one. And they, he went to put it back, and they said, "Do you want the, you know, do you want the stick?" And he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, I'll just, I'll just put it down with my hand." And he did that, and when he did it, it just one fang clipped his index finger, and it, he didn't get full on bit; it just kind of scraped him, and it, you know, kind of shook his hand. No big deal. And, you know, they packed up, headed back to camp. By the time they got back to camp, like his hand starts getting swollen up and it's getting black. They're like, we got to go to the hospital. And they said, till they got to Lock Haven, sometime between getting from camp to Lock Haven, which was like 40 minutes, like it worked up his arm. It was getting black and black until it was all said and done. Like they told him he was going to have to amputate his arm. And he, he he lucked out. He ended up not getting anything amputated. They they got to him in time. But when it was all said and done, the doctor said, "If you ever get full on bit, he said, don't even bother trying to come because you you're that allergic. You won't make it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that's that's something that I, I didn't hear much when I first started snake hunting. Was not only can you be allergic to the venom, you can also be allergic to the anti venom. I see. From what I've heard too, so. You don't want to get bit at all. Uh, you know, I think we, I've, I've always said this, and, and I've come to this conclusion, this is my little theory, that there's, there's two types of people that get bit. And the first type is somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, or they're doing something beyond safety measures or beyond necessity. So it could be playing with two snakes at one time or just not understanding what a snake can do and, you know, how fast they are, just randomly going into it blind um, and not really thinking much about what is at stake here. Those types of people get bit. The other type of people uh, that get bit, um, and I'm, I'm specifically talking about people, snake hunters. Right. I know there's people that walk through the woods and, you know, might trip and fall or step over a log and get bit or something. I'm just talking just with snake hunters. The other person that gets bit is the person that's very experienced with rattlesnakes. The person who's so experienced that they basically let their guard down. They're so comfortable around the snake that they sort of lose that, you know, they, they let down their guard a little bit. And that's when they get bit, um, you know. So from just from hearing of people and, and knowing of certain people who have gotten bit, those are the two categories. And, and you know, 
I can still fall into one of those categories. I can still do something dumb, even though I've been doing something, you know, I hardly even handle snakes anymore. I take a lot of friends out and just go out and look at them. But, or I can always just let my guard down, you know, handling them. And so you always have to have a really healthy fear of the snake. Not that I'm scared of snakes, but you have to respect it. Like you respect, you know, a, uh, you know, electrical outlet. <laughs> you don't go in there just thinking you know what you're doing, playing with wires. You know, you, you got to know that you got to shut something off somewhere else, or you got to know exactly what you're doing. And so, or you're not paying attention, things like that. Um, that's, that's that's my theory on on you know people getting bit. So when you're out there, you're, you're you know handling these snakes. Obviously, at least from from what I gathered by watching some of you guys' videos, like every snake is a little different uh, as far as you know how it reacts. Like like I guess what I'm getting at is when you're handling these snakes, are they they trying to bite you? Or are they pretty much just trying to get away at that point? Pretty much, I'd say ninety five plus percent they're just trying to get away um they want nothing to do with you the ones that strike um usually they're only striking when we go to grab them with the tongs or something like that um and out of those times it's it's usually ones that you know they weren't being bothered you kind of snuck up on them they didn't know they weren't rattling before and then you just kind of grabbed them and then all of a sudden it's just kind of like they woke up and they're just striking at everything for a minute because they have no idea what's going on um things like that or if somebody grabs one too far back close to the rattle or too close to the head it's you know they're smaller in there so there's more vital areas and sensitive stuff when you're trying to really grip down hard on a snake to hold it you want to try to hold them in the middle of the body the fattest part of the snake um but you know if you get close to that you're going to make that snake really mad and you know, a lot of people say, well, every snake is a little different, somewhat, but it a lot, a lot of the times it has to depend on, you know, whether is it first thing in the morning, was it really cold and they're coming out and they're still a little lethargic and they're not moving that fast? Is it one that just got done eating and it really doesn't want to be bothered with because it just wants to rest? to digest its food, you know, those types of things, you know, just because one snake is mean and aggressive one day, tomorrow he could be normal, <laughs> you know, and not aggressive. So, but yeah, they're never trying to come after you. Uh, they're always trying to get away. And that's what a lot of things I've been trying to show in the later videos is more educational stuff because there is so many more people getting into rattlesnakes, uh, rattlesnake hunting. And because they repopulate so slowly, um, messing with one snake, you don't realize 20 years down the road, that's that 50 incher that somebody's going to catch. And if you mess with it too much near the head or to the tail or grip it too tight or something like that, then chances are it may not survive that long. Hmm. That is interesting. So, like, you know, all the time you spent looking for snakes. I mean, I'm, Devon and I spent a lot of time in the woods as well. And I've had a couple run-ins with snakes. But, I mean, as much time as you actually go looking for them, have you ever been into a situation where one caught you off guard and it went, you went, oh, that was close. Like, it, And what I'm getting at is, you know, there's so many people that have that just over, you know, over the top fear of them and either avoid going outdoors at all 
costs this time of year just because of that. Like, do you, have you ever felt in a situation like, oh, yeah, you need to be overly cautious? Or can you really say that, you know, most people, you, you don't have to be worried about these things because they're, they're not monstrous creatures? Yeah, I've never had a situation. I can only think of one time. One time I forgot my snake boots. And I had real thin leather cowboy boots, but I remember my snake chaps. So the only part that was shown was the front half of my foot. And we were hunting on a line with, like, the really low blueberry bushes. And they were probably oh, just below my knee. And I was just kind of walking around, and I was just kind of kind of brushing the with my stick. I think I had a walking stick. I don't think I was using my tongs. And I was just sort of moving the brush in front of me back and forth because in case one was there, I'd get at the rattle and disturb it first. And I'm walking and my, my feet, them, them cowboy boots were so thin. Um, I could feel my foot just lay right over a rattlesnake. And the second I did that, it never rattled because it was cool. I believe it was coiled up. I jumped so hard I thought I was going to pull my groin, and I was it it like I was in shock for a minute because like that was really close because I didn't I knew I didn't have my snake boots on, um, but that was that was years ago that was probably like 2010 something like that so that was that's been over 10 years ago when that happened and the only time I ever hunted without snake boots so I know you know there's a lot of guys that don't wear snake boots and stuff and you know that's fine you you, you don't I, there's been guys that have gone with us snake hunting that wore gym shorts and and tennis shoes like you know, they're in high school gym class and all they did was just, and they didn't want anything to do with the snakes. They didn't mind seeing them from afar, but they had no problem going out there through the brush as long as they were behind at least one or two snake hunters in front of them and had no problem walking through the woods. And, you know, sometimes you think it's, it's, you're going to see snakes. Oh, this is, there's definitely snakes all over here and you can walk all over them rocks and never find any snakes. Uh, then other places you're like, I don't, I doubt there's any snakes over there. And then there's a snake there. Uh, but the times where something surprised me, I thought, Oh boy, if I wasn't paying attention, I'd probably get bit. Um, that's, that's really the only time. And, and if I was a normal hiker, somebody being out in the woods, I'd have never been walking through that brush. I was literally walking through the brush specifically to see if there was any rattlesnakes in there. So, um, there was another time I was walking on rocks looking for snakes. I was walking across some dead brush that was between two rocks. I thought it was going to hold my weight. It didn't. I slipped down between it and right behind my back thigh under a rock, I heard a rattle buzzing. And, but he was so far back, he wasn't anywhere close to striking me. But I'm like, well, I'm glad I had my chaps on because my boots wouldn't have gone up that high. But then again, if I was just a normal, everyday, out and about person, I wouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> you know, I was looking for snakes. So, um, yeah, the, the, the people that are out, I've, I've run into hikers. Uh, people just hiking, and they're like, oh, yeah, we saw a rattlesnake. It was just laying there on the trail. We just kind of went around, took some pictures, and that was it. And, you know. And most of the time at the property that I spend a lot of time at, that, that's the exact case. Like, I mean, I've had instances where we were uh, <clears throat> we were scouting in the summertime, walking a couple deer trails. And, like, I had my two dogs with me, which I'm usually a little bit leery about. But anyway, you know, literally they jumped over this log right next to a coiled snake 
and it just watched us walk right by. We just went right around. It wasn't a big deal. And I feel like 99.9% of the time, that's what you experience. Now, I can't lie. I still get the heebie-jeebies a little bit when I see one close, but once I see them, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, for somebody new that's just kind of getting into this, um, so I guess, if, yeah, where do you start? Just say you're picking out a new area you want to you wanna expand your your area or throw a little bit of a challenge into it, go somewhere new. Uh, what do you look for? Basically, I, I've gone on a lot of wild goose hunts. I, I, I try not to listen to other people who... I learned real quick early in this that, you know, you're at some sporting goods place or you're talking to some guy that used to work on gas wells or pipelines or whatever somewhere. It's like, oh, yeah, out here, there was a pile. There was 50 snakes lying up along the hillside here. And it's like, okay, it's really hard for me to believe, <laughs> you know, but, you know, they, they swear up and down that they've seen rattlesnakes here and there. And you go there and you start looking. So if I was in, if I was tell, telling somebody that's a new person, I would say do your own research and don't go chasing every single thing that everybody says, oh, there's snakes here. Um because not all the time does that work. I've gone on a lot of wild goose chases and, and ended up basically being like right outside of a small community that they were developing new houses in. I'm like, there's definitely no rattlesnakes here. Nobody's going to develop this where if there's a rattlesnake den here. And so I would say basically, I, I, and this is what I usually tell everybody that's getting into snake hunting that's new is if it's possible, go with somebody first that already snake hunts. Uh, if it if it's possible, it's really hard because the rattlesnake hunters are a very tight-lipped group. They're not going to just take some random person out and show you a spot. Um, but if you know somebody, just go with them. You don't even have to try to hunt and just watch them, and they can teach you stuff. If not, basically, rattlesnakes are all over north-central PA. The, the central part of the state, that's the highest concentration of them. So I would just be going and looking on easy places like power lines and gas lines and maybe not go the straight up and down routes. Try to find places that are flat uh, because if you're new, then, you know, you don't want to be, you know, walking down over a hill or hiking clear to the top. And then if something bad happens, you know, you got to come the whole way down, uh, especially try not to go by yourself. Uh, but, and just walk, you know, if you just put the time in hiking and walking and looking around, you'll start coming, coming across them and you don't have to try to tube them. If you're new, you can get your snake hook or a good set of tongs and just I, I, I don't want to use the word play because that can be taken different differently, but just handle the snake a little bit to see what they do. And maybe just pick it off, off a rock and set it down on the ground and just watch it and see what it does. And then you can, you'll learn what the snake does, how to handle them, things like that. Then you can work your way into trying to tube them and stuff like that later on. I feel like, you know, snakes a lot of the time when I've, 
just seen him in my everyday out and about kind of deal in the woods. You know, you talk about uh, any kind of high quality early succession habitat, like the, the the comment that people talk about rabbitat, like all that low lying stuff that's going to have critters where they're going to. I feel like the edges and trails within that is where I commonly find them, and it seems like it's has to do with food. But then you've got those places on ledges and stuff like that. We're going to find dens and stuff. But I mean, is that is that kind of how you go about it, or is it just kind of like I'm going to go on a nature hike and hey, maybe I'm going to find some new places I'm going to venture in deer season? Well, somewhat. And there's been a lot of places that, um, you know, I've had friends that had had seen snakes before on places and say, hey, would you want to go check out this hillside? You know, they it's reputable. This isn't no stranger telling me something. They, they literally saw people that I know have seen snakes. Okay, let's go up there and check it out, and we'll find snakes. Um, but there, in different parts of the, the state, the habitat is a little different. Uh, last year, uh, we hunted in Venango County, which – the only video I have up so far this year is the Venango County rattlesnakes, but that was actually filmed last year. I was going to add more to that video, but I never got time to, so I just ended up putting that video as its own video. And the habitat is way different than it is, say, in Clinton County. Um, and there's snakes down Westmoreland, Somerset County. It's a little bit close. You've got a little bit more mountainous stuff. But I've seen snakes in the rocky, rocky stuff, and we found snakes where you don't see any rocks anywhere. There, there's just some grass, a little bit of brush, maybe a fallen down tree, and then just big open woods everywhere. Because I think a little bit of that has to do with the big males and how far they'll travel. You know, they can travel up to five miles from the den and search for other uh, females that are out and about. So they can travel down one side of the mountain, cross the river, up the other side, and down and up and over the other one. <laughs> and they could be anywhere at that point in time. So if you really want to concentrate, yeah, them rocky ledges up on high on a mountainside somewhere, you those are going to be your key spots. But sometimes those big ones, those big males, they could be anywhere. They don't have to be just right where the rocks are. They could be, you know, right on the edge of an old um, logging place where there's a pile of dead wood or something that wasn't there before. And they come out, and now they got sun, and they're going to be hanging out there because that's where all the mice are going to be hanging out too. So it, You kind of answered the question with that I was going to ask you. So do you take some trips and, and go different places throughout the state to rattlesnake hunt? Yeah, I think that's part of rattlesnake hunting is ex exploring. Uh, when when we first started hunting, we just thought we we like lucked into the best spot. Like we didn't know what we were doing. We lucked into the best spot, and we quickly realized you can overhunt a spot because you know again rattlesnakes take a long time to repopulate. Pretty soon you're you're only finding small ones and no big ones, so you're forced to sort of go look for other places, and then you find another hot spot. And you keep going back to that same place because you're afraid that if you go somewhere new and you're gonna you're gonna walk a mile or two miles or three miles. Um, and that's one way. You know, I'm talking like six mile round trip. 
just to do leaving the truck and come back. You want to make sure you're going to have that time that you're the limited time that you have through the year to hunt. Cause some of us guys, maybe once, three, four times a year, that's it. You don't want to be going somewhere where you're not going to be finding snakes. So, uh, you know, and a lot of times, yeah, can you do some pre-scouting and go there? Yeah, but then that's still, those are still days that you got to take off to go out and walk through the woods and, and, and scout. And again, you can find them big males early in the season, but they're probably not going to be there when the snake season comes. So that's one thing when you're looking at, looking at those types of places, you, you just sometimes want to explore. And that's what we like doing. Just you see uh, cool vistas and scenic places and cool streams and even big rocks that aren't going to have rattlesnakes. Just cool uh, nature features that you find. And exploration and going to new places is half half of the fun. And you try to pick the best places where you think the rattlesnakes are going to be. And once you start doing it so often, you can sort of just look at a map and kind of look to see, you know, okay, there's some houses here. This is sort of remote here. This is this is a place here we can walk. Let's go check this out, and you'll find snakes. Um, and that's sort of what we've been doing recently every year. We might hit an old spot. So we know that when we go snake hunting, we're going to see some snakes. We may not see any legal snakes, but we're just out just to take a hike through the woods to see some snakes. Then we might hit a couple new spots, already expecting that we may not find anything at all. And that's what's going to create memories of going out on those places. And then you get up there and you had no idea that, oh, look at this really cool lookout. Didn't know this was here. This isn't on a map anywhere. This isn't on a trail map that says, here's a vista point to look out. This is unmarked. This is kind of cool. Glad we came up here. You know, not going to come back again because we didn't find any snakes, but that's still part of snake hunting is seeing new things all the time. kind of gets old hitting the same spots all the time. Right. For sure. So just because what you're saying, just because you find a legal snake somewhere last summer doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be another one there this summer. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. There's There's been places where we've taken legal snakes, and I just said, I, I really don't really feel like coming back here. It just doesn't seem, I don't know, you get this like feeling where it's just like, I think there's better places. We can find better, bigger snakes. Um, and sometimes you, you already know when certain places are getting hit by other snake hunters, you'll see their footprints, you'll see grass laid down. You can just tell sometimes the snakes, they get pressured. Some, sometimes like deer, they get so fidgety, they feel the vibrations of you walking up. And if you move a, um, you know, stumble on a rock or something, boom, they're, they're gone, you know, 30 yards in front of you, they're already rattling in under the rock. And you can tell those snakes have been handled multiple times by people a lot through the, through the season. And those types of places, when you know there's other snake hunters, you sort of just kind of write that place off. You might have found a legal snake there, but it's like, yeah, well, I know other people are hitting this. I'd rather find a place that isn't hit as hard. And, you know, there's still so many places in the state that I'd like to go hunt, and I'll probably never get to them in my lifetime. Yep. So you talked about legal snake. Just for those that uh, may not know, what it, what uh, what specs are you looking for uh, that makes a snake legal? Well, a legal rattlesnake in Pennsylvania 
has to be 42 inches long from the nose to the base of the rattle. You cannot count the rattle. And then it also has to be a male. So in order to to measure and count scales to find out if it's male or female, we use fluorescent light tube guards. That's what we use. They're real cheap. You can buy them at Lowe's. And if you can get their head work up in there, um, then you, they can't turn around and try to bite you, and they can't bite through the tube because the tube is so close to their face. And so you measure it that way. If it's if it's legal, if it's 42 inches or longer, then at the vent underneath towards the t- rattle, you'll see the belly scales turn black right towards the end, right past the vent. And the biologists over lots of studies have concluded that Males, the majority of males, have 21 or more of what they call subcaudal scales. So you count those scales. And if there's 21 or more and it's 42 inches or longer in length, that's considered a legal rattlesnake. So how does, for a long time, I, or I've heard already that, you know, the more rattles a snake has, the older it is. I'm pretty sure that's not accurate. But so a snake that's, you know, 42, 45 inches how, how old is a snake like that? Well, the, the ethics papers that they give you and stuff talking about those snakes, they're, they're, they're claiming that those snakes can be between, you know, anywhere between 15 to 25 years old once you're getting past 42 inches. Um, they can live an incredibly long time. Um, yeah, I know we've measured rattlesnakes at 42 inches that were really, really skinny. Um, and then we've measured snakes that were just big around as a pop can, but they weren't long. They were still only like 42 inches. Um, so, you know, not all, not every snake's going to grow as long as that. They will get bigger around as they get older. Um, but it's really, hard to say exactly how old, but you can at least expect to be 15 plus years old after, you know, a, a legal length rattlesnake. Have so, you got your 50 incher yet? Yes, I, I have caught a 50 incher, um, and I handled technically half hand, half caught a 52 incher. That was, uh, with my buddy Seth. Um, and we hunted a spot and we both saw it. He saw it. He grabbed it. I had the video camera. He saw another one. So I grabbed it, the, the talks from him so he could get the other one. And I held it there and then I tubed it. Um, so the two biggest snakes was a 50 and 52 incher. Um, I kept the 50 incher that I caught. I believe that was in 2017. Um, right after I caught that one, my buddy Seth was with me at that time also. And he caught one almost the exact same length. He let his go. Um, and then when, I think it was the next year, we caught the 52-incher, and we decided to let that one go, too. Um, and it's something that, um, just as a snake hunter myself, and I see a lot of other snake hunters doing this, too, um, it's a little bit of a different thing. It's not like deer hunting where everyone is just, you know, you have some of those guys that they're just tagging out on the on the first buck that walks out. You know, it it is a more as you start tagging more snakes, and the more you hunt over time, you usually tag less snakes and you start handling less snakes. It's because 
the more you learn about the snake, uh, the more you start to appreciate it and respect it, and you understand a lot of the inner workings of it. Uh, you know how long it takes for them to to grow that old, how long the re- reproduction cycle is. And so, normally, you, you really become basically a trophy hunter, or I know guys that just, like, they're just catch and release only. They buy the license. They're never, ever going to tag a snake. They're only ever going to do catch and release. Hmm. And so, you have the pictures, stuff like that. That's all the more some guys need. And I have multiple snake skins, and I really don't need to hold another one. I have plenty of documentation of videos is enough yeah, for me, do. you know. Um, I'm not still against that that I won't tag out on one, but it's got to be something that I just haven't seen before. And and it's and for a lot of the hunting that I do, I I I don't go a lot of places where I could find even bigger snakes. I know where there's some places where I could probably find those 54 inches, it, it, but some of those places are just not as good when I'm taking pretty much now taking friends and family out and the goal is just to get them out in the woods and see snakes there they would rather it's sort of like a like i said earlier the tier is go out have fun hike around the woods number two see snakes and it's a bonus if you tag one out so that that's sort of the way we look at it so do you usually tag out every year do you sometimes not tag one and you're good with that no, I haven't. The, the last snake I tagged out was 2017 on that 50 incher. I believe that was the last snake I ever tagged. Yep. And ever since then, uh, I mean, this year I didn't even handle a snake. Um, and this past weekend, um, we went up to Cinema Honing um, and took a bunch of friends from Pittsburgh. Uh, we've been doing this for the past couple of years, sort of becoming a tradition now. And we saw 34 snakes in two days. And, but we didn't find a legal one and nobody complained. They didn't tag one out. Now, every single person out of that group had tagged on a snake. We, we brought one new guy on and it was just learning experience. Just to, he got a he doesn't understand that we saw 17 snakes on Saturday and, or Friday and 17 snakes again on Sunday. That's the most amount of snakes we've ever seen in a two day stretch and, but no legal ones, but just to see that many, that, that was, that was worth the whole trip, you know? So, yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. Yep. So, um, I'm sure there's going to be people wondering too. So you, you find a legal snake, um, you tag it. What, what do you do with it then? Well, there's 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 two ways I've seen guys carry the snake out because we, it's always a little funny. The first time I I took uh, Shane Reed up, I put it in a pillow sack and put it right underneath my uh, front seat of my pickup truck and re rode home. And he just looked at me <laughs> the whole time. He's like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "Yeah, he ain't gonna get out." <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so you can use pillow sacks. Um, that's sort of what we started with. Uh, they're not the easiest to use. A lot of people are using buckets, um, custom buckets, you know, cut a hole out, put some metal screening on there because, you know, you can kill a snake real quick keeping it in the bed of your truck where the sun's hitting it in a bucket. You know, they're they're cold-blooded animals. They get the temperature. You get the temperature up too hot for too long, and you're going to have a dead snake. 
And so, but a lot of the buckets, people are using buckets. I've seen guys carry buckets, but none of us have done that. It's just a little bit too much of too bulkier uh, to be using. Um, and then some guys, um, we've hunted with guys that they keep them as pets. They have like a big aquarium in their garage, and then they keep the snakes as a snake as a pet. Uh, I know guys that tagged out, and they'll just go around and show people the rattlesnake that they caught. Show pic, you know, take pictures, show people, uh, teach people about rattlesnakes with the snake they caught, and then later in the season, go back and release the rattlesnake before the season's over. Um, and then the other thing was to eat them. Skin them, save the high, tan it, and uh, you know, eat the eat the rattlesnake, and that's what some of the guys have been doing. Are they any good eating? Yeah, I, I, I mean, we have a video on our second channel. I think it's called Reptile Leatherwood Outdoors Reptile Feast. I think the video is from like 2012 or something, and it shows a little bit about how we cooked them. We were we just sort of chopped them up into about two inch pieces, and then. Rolled them in egg and uh, rich cracker crumbs, and then fried them in some oil until they turn a little bit golden brown. It's just like eating fried chicken. Mm. It's just a little bit more bones. <laughs> you just got to pick all the little meat in between the bones. But yeah, they they taste good. You, I mean, they have the texture that, that looks just like if you pulled the meat off a chicken wing. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We've had we've made uh, rattlesnake slash turtle soup. Uh, it's been good. We had uh, just fried rattlesnake. A cousin of mine, I uh, gave him part of my rattlesnake years ago, and he smoked it. Um, and I think what he said is he soaked it in milk right. to take the gaminess, and then he soaked it, marinated in Italian dressing for so long, and then he smoked it. And it actually wasn't that bad. I was a little skeptical of it. Um, the, the the look of it wasn't appetizing, but it didn't taste bad. <laughs> so, uh, you know. So it's like a cross between fishy and, like, white meat? Yeah, it's not flaky like fish, but I, like I said, I it, you always hear it tastes like chicken. And I, I, I say it tastes like chicken and it sort of looks like chicken, too. Even it has the ticket. Texture and consistency of like chicken wing meat. I've always wanted to try it. I haven't ever had the opportunity, and I'm like I said, I've never been a person that's been overly keen about them. I mean, I respect them, and I've seen them plenty of times. But you know, kind of like you said earlier, you see one, okay, there's a snake. Back up, go around it, go about your business. But I haven't taken the time to go and actually hunt them. Yeah. Yep, it, it's it's something to, to try it once. I tell you what, there's a lot of meat on a snake because the whole thing is basically meat. And I remember, I think out of a whole group of us, when you're four guys tagged out on rattlesnakes, and we cooked them all up, and I couldn't believe the leftovers that we had. But, I mean, that was okay because everybody that we knew wanted to try rattlesnake, so we just saved them and gave them a piece of rattlesnake, so everybody got to try it. So it's, it's kind of cool that way, too. Yeah, for sure. So how long does the season's open now? How long does it go? To the end of the month here sometime? Yes. Yep. It always starts on the second Saturday of June and ends at the end of July. Yeah, it's something, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like, and maybe it's just because we're not, you know, we're, we're from kind of Southeast PA, uh, where we live and there's not, you don't hear a lot about it. And I feel like there's a lot of people that probably don't know, um, 
they don't know much about it. There's a lot more more rattlesnakes in Southeast PA than people realize, though. Like we have the we have the Blue Mountain here in, in northern Berks County. It goes and you know cross over towards Harrisburg, and uh, that's actually where I spend a lot of time hunting. We actually have a lot of rattlesnakes. We had a one year uh, we had seven of them on a rock. Uh, right by our shed at, at the property that we hunt. So, I mean, there's more than people realize. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've always said that if my life depended on uh, catching one snake uh, in Pennsylvania, and I, I had a short time to do it, the snake I would pick would be a rattlesnake. Because, in, in my opinion, they are the easiest snake to find. Um, if you told me to go out there and try to find 34 black snakes in two days, I would have a really hard time uh, doing that. <laughs> you know, even though black snakes are everywhere, I just don't see that many. I've only seen one this year. Got it off the road, so I didn't run it over. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they are in more places than most people think. A lot of times they won't rattle, just like that one that I stepped on. You know, they're, they're going to use their camouflage if at best. They don't want to draw attention to themselves. Um, if they actually feel like the threat is actually on them, then they'll rattle. But if they don't think the threat is actually on them, they would rather use their camouflage and let you walk right by them and not rattle. So one thing I don't, I mean, this is easy knowledge for us, but maybe somebody who's really novice this would know. We're talking about the timber rattlesnake. And you said about you were in Venango County. So correct me if I'm wrong. I think Venango and Butler are the only two that have the, what's it called? The Massasauqua? Yeah, the Massasauga. Massasauga. It could be pronounced that way. I'm not sure that's how I've always said it. Um, Yeah, I, I think. It, it was wasn't even clear even back I think even into two thousand and four or something they were in four counties I believe yeah I think um, two now yeah yeah and I I know where they're at um, but they they probably have a wanted sign a picture of me on the on the area saying you know don't ever let this person in there you know which you know I with a rattlesnake license you cannot handle a Massasauga right I mean huh right yeah I didn't think you could handle those right no you can't there's only a handful of people in the entire state that's legally allowed to handle um and so, and the chances of actually seeing one, even if you're in the habitat, is probably going to be very slim. Is that right? Um, yeah. And I think their, their range is only like a couple acres. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And, and the, the, I don't think any of them where they're at, there's any timber rattlesnake. So the chances of seeing them, there may be one place that I know of. Um, but I'm not sure because, you know, I'm not going to go out and look for, um, you know, a Massasauga or anything. Um, but yeah, it just, that would just probably take way too, too much time. Completely different type of habitat too. You know, they're more like a, a pygmy rattlesnake, a prairie rattlesnake and, and they're, the habitat is completely different for them than it is for the timber rattlesnake. Interesting. Yeah, they're 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 neat boogers. Like I said, I've never seen one of one of those. But I mean, like I said, the uh, so how many how many different phases have you have you caught over the years? Have you found pretty much every phase under the sun? Yeah, I mean the two prominent. I mean when you when you get a, a rattlesnake license, um, 
and this is something I, I got to complain about because they don't, they used to give you, like I said, the ethics papers and stuff. In that was a report card. In the report card, you have to send that report card back whether you hunt it or not. And on that report card, you are to mark down um, or handled or if you kept one. And they have it saying light phase or dark phase. Now, I say yellow or black, uh, but I don't really know what a cross phase is. I've heard different people say a cross phase is, you know, one that has one black eye and one yellow eye or one that has, you know, a yellow body and a black head or whatever. Um, but there are different varying colors that you have. One that's more like a pale yellow the whole way across with very light brown, light black, grayish bands on them. Uh, it can go to that into brown. Sometimes you'll see brown on them, like a brownish rust color, sort of, mixed in with that yellow. Uh, then you start getting into the darker phases where you have the really dark black bands with highlighted yellow around with brown in the middle. And then it goes to the point where it's all black. You can barely see the bands on it because it's just so black. Um, so in all those variations, there's basically only two. It's either the light phase, the yellow phase, and usually the light phase have a yellow head with yellow eyes and the black phases have black head with black eyes. So have you found that one is more prominent than another or not necessarily? Well, I always used to say when we first started hunting, it was... It was probably 25% of the snakes we found were, were yellow face. Um, they're usually also the ones that are sought out more by the hunters because they look better, uh, because a lot of the black ones can just be just straight black. You don't really see too many markings on them. Uh, but the yellow ones are really cool, um, and that's sort of targeted by hunters. But I think even without the hunters, um, I see usually more black face than yellow face. But then again, when I went to that Venango place, they were all yellow face, which was a very rare thing. Um, I don't know what the, out of the majority of the snakes that we saw over the weekend, I, I'm not sure exactly. I have to go back and look at all the footage. I know we did see some yellow faces and we found a big den full of, there's probably a dozen laying in a pile. Um, and I think they were probably 50-50 with black and yellow. But, yeah, it seems to me that the black are sort of more prominent than the yellow are. Okay. Interesting. Just in my, my experiences hunting. So I don't know if there's a actual stat or record of what it, what it actually is percentage-wise, but, yeah. Yeah, very good. Well, I think that kind of covers all the questions that I had. Yeah, do you have anything you want to add about snake cutting, John? Yeah, uh, two things. Uh, we we forgot to talk about the rattle. Uh, the rattle, you know, we, we we mentioned about how you can't really tell its age by the rattle, um, you know, because it uh, we've seen some really small snakes with some big rattles this year, yeah. really long rattles. Well, yeah. Um, and you, normally you can usually tell a really young snake because, well, obviously they're small and the rattle comes to a really small point. But rattles can break and fall off. 
And they might shed their skin two or three times a year, and each time they do that, they gain a button on the on the rattle. So you can't really gauge a rattlesnake by the rattle at all. Um, and the second thing I wanted to mention was, uh, you know, like rattlesnake equipment, especially um, like tongs. Um, sometimes tongs get a really bad rap, um, and it's usually because of some a few people who are mishandling the snake with the tongs. And so it's really not the tong that is doing it. It's the person that's doing it. It's the same concept that pencils don't misspell words. So if you know how to use a tong, um, you can safely handle any snake. On, But I have to have a side note on that. There are some good tongs and there are some really not so great tongs and I'm not against anybody using whatever they're using as long as they're educated on how to use it because usually you'll see the most majority of the people that I um, hunt with and have seen people out hunting with are usually the really cheap Amazon uh, snake tongs and the two things about those snake tongs is they'll close the whole way you grip as tight as you want and they're going to pinch tight shut you know, real hard. And they're sort of really pointy at the end. The the lip is, is sharp somewhat. And you get a big snake and you're grabbing him and he flails around. You can cut the skin on a snake real easy and ruin your snake hide with those. Or you can grab too tight and squeeze the snake. Now, here's the thing. There, there, we've had some videos that look like the snake is like almost pinched flat. But the thing is, you've got to know that them rattlesnakes go up underneath rocks that are like, you can't stick your hand in. You know, they're so tight because they can flatten themselves out. So a lot of that is just as you're squeezing, the rattlesnake is also flattening, flattening itself out. But you can, with those tongs, hurt the snake. You can squeeze them too hard in the middle and damage them, and you may not know that you are. So there are better tongs. Uh, there's tongs um, called Gentle Giants, or if you look them up and see, they usually have a, a like a, a blue metallic shaft in the middle with a like a red um, gripping part on the top. But what it is is it's more like a hand, like two hands coming down over. They're very wide to help hold the snake. And when you squeeze, you can squeeze as hard as you want, and you're not even gonna. You can have your hand in that tongue, and it's not gonna even you're going to hardly feel any pressure on your hand because it's meant not to hurt the snake. So it's sort of foolproof. Now, they are almost four times as much as those cheap Amazon ones. Well, now you can buy both kinds on Amazon, but um, usually that's where most people go buy their snake tongs and stuff. So, But I think the the, the thing I want to mention is that we need to be knowledgeable on where to grab the snake, grabbing it in the middle of the snake, and just grabbing it enough to lift it from where it is and get it out of the way so we can maybe mess with it with a snake hook or just keep grabbing it and moving it. We don't have to just hold it and pin it down real hard and make sure, you know, it's not moving anywhere. You know what I mean? Right. And so that that's, that's why there's sort of a, a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction to, to tongs to some snake, uh, you know, 
I would say very, very experienced snake hunters. There's some snake hunters that they're, you know, they're, they're so against tongs and, and I'm not really one of those guys. I, I don't even use a snake hook. Um, the tongs are okay. Um, a lot of people like to use a snake hook and then pick the rattlesnake up by the tail and hold it out there. Um, I'm really not a big fan of that and I don't want to be, uh, really teaching guys how to use that I'm with because th- that's, uh, you know, it's just one step closer to getting bit. I'm not saying that you can be good at it. It's the same way. Tubing it is, is you want to keep a rattlesnake, you're going to be doing the risk when you start trying to tube a snake because it can pop out of that tube and stuff with a blink of an eye. And that's where I said you have to have a healthy fear of the snake, but you also have to respect the snake. So you got to know, you know, how to handle those snakes properly. And that's the biggest thing I think new snake hunters and all snake hunters need to try to do the best that they can is handling the snakes the best way possible so that we can always keep going and finding these big snakes and constantly seeing snakes in different places. So, like, do you have a go-to place for getting snake hunting gear, like if you want to get a a snake hook or tongs or whatever? Uh, I just go to Amazon is where I got uh, a lot of my stuff on our videos, um, especially the recent ones, we are an Amazon influencer. So we have an Amazon store. So pretty much anything that you see us using um, in the videos or anything that any of the guys have used or have recommended, we have a link to the rattlesnake gear listed in the description of the video. So you can get the snake boots, the chaps, we have multiple ones. I mean, you still have to do your research, and, and we may not have the best snake boot out there. It's just what we've used and what we recommend and, and things like that. So if somebody wants to see, hey, what backpack or what, where's your light tube, you know, where's that snake tube, which we have those on there too, and the tongs that we use, that's all in that. So that's one place. I don't really know of any other place other than going to like Midwest Tongs. You can buy directly instead of going through Amazon to get those gentle giant uh, snake tongs. They have all different sizes and shapes of those. Um, can't really think other than, you know, just going to your regular sn- snake uh or your regular hunting boot company like Rocky or Cabela's or uh, Lacrosse, Danner, and see what type of snake boots do they have and look at reviews and research and try to find the best one. So basically, they got to first go to Leatherwood Outdoors, watch all your videos, and then you got links for all the stuff they need. So pretty much you're, you're, you're a one-stop shop there, you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yep. You go to one of the rattlesnake videos, and we've been uh, Amazon influencer, I think, for two years. So not all of the videos have the link under the description, but I think some of the videos, we have a list. If you uh, go to basically any of the videos recently, you'll see the the Amazon link to the stores, and we have lists for rifle season, archery, uh, ice fishing lists, rifle hunting lists, and that goes, you know, into tree stands and backpacks and boots and clothing and all different types of stuff. Um, because we keep getting asked how many times, well, hey, what, 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 what's that backpack that you're using? Where'd you get it at? And it's like, okay, well, a lot of the stuff we get is on Amazon. Uh, and if we didn't get it on Amazon, we got it from a, you know, some, you know, the company's website usually can find it on Amazon. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that's sort of one way you can do it. Yeah. And, and- 
just a side note for anybody listening to this, if you go on Leatherwood Outdoors, you're going to find a whole lot more than snake hunting. So I would block out a bunch of time if you've never been on that channel because you could spend a lot of time watching your videos over the years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually right now in the middle of editing the video from the from the weekend and I'm already I'm almost done and I'm already at 26 minutes worth of footage it's going to be a long video um so I'm hoping to get that up sometime next week so we'll we'll see if all the computer works out and I don't get any freeze ups and stuff like that cuz sometimes that happens in the editing part you know I'll have something and then like the other night, I had this whole thing up and the electric went out, and I was hoping I saved everything because if not, I would have had another three or four hours of redoing everything. Man. So those are some of the things that go into just editing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you got a lot of work to do there. It was good talking with you. Um, very- yeah, good talking with you guys too. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. This has been a blast. We will be uh, looking for more stuff to come out there in Leatherwood Outdoors. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. You take care, man. Yep.